Hi everyone, and welcome to the Musical Café. In this podcast, I will interview six artists from different sides of the musical theatre industry. They'll share with us their stories and what they've learned during the past year. Join me every Sunday for a new episode. Hi Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. It's great to have you here. Um, how are you feeling today? I'm good, I'm good. I was really looking forward to doing this. I think because one of my close friends, he started his own podcast and as a listener, I absolutely love listening to podcasts. Um, so I was really excited to be able to feature on one in the near future. Thank so you. happy to be here. So you want to give us a brief introduction about yourself and what you were doing before this whole thing started? Okay, cool. Hi again. My name is Alex. I'm originally from New York City. I was born and raised there. I moved to London in 2013, literally New Year's Day. Um, it was to do a job. I, I think at the time, I think I was 18 years old. So for me, I was just like, yeah, cool. Like life is fun. Like not thinking anything about it. I was supposed to just be doing my one job here. I was doing the Western revival of the chorus line at the Palladium. I was still in college at the time. So I withdrew from school for a semester to come and do this gig. Um, and I thought I was just going to do it for a year, go back to New York, finish college, keep going down the path that I envisioned for myself at that time. Um, and fast forward to, what is it? Oh my gosh, like ah, <laughs> a long time later. Um, and I have spent the majority of my professional career in the kind of creative entertainment industry, working in musical theater predominantly. But I guess by trade, I would call myself a dancer. That's what I trained in. That's what I'm the most skilled in and I think in terms of the skill set you need for theater such as like acting and singing although I feel like there's a lot of convergences between those disciplines that's kind of the only thing I trained in so everything else in regards to theater I've kind of learned on the job through friends through now because of coronavirus I've actually been able to take classes and develop other factors of the performance yeah. <laughs> skills that I need. Um, but prior to March 2020, I was still in the London Company of Hamilton. I've been in the show since it opened here in the West End in 2017. Um, and hopefully returning to the show whenever that might start coming up again. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. And uh, well, for me, I stopped everything as soon as, uh, as, soon as March hit. And I didn't have, I, actually I was in a very small house and I didn't have any space to do anything other than ballet bar and yoga. <laughs> so for me, I needed um, some time to rest and everything. Yeah. I didn't feel like it was very challenging mm -hmm. for me, stopping everything. Mm -hmm. What did you think when everything oh started? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I am, at the heart of it all, I am very lazy. I was also slightly injured at the time I was suffering from an injury that I that was like really pronounced in February and I was just kind of pushing and pushing through um, I had actually just come back from the United States on the day that they closed all the theater so I was on holiday for a week it was my mother's birthday so I was in New Orleans flew back and arrived back to Heathrow on Monday and literally Monday arrived in the UK that Monday yeah dropped off my stuff at my house went to the theater and they said, go home. <laughs> and then that was it. So I, I was kind of 
happy in a way. Of course, we didn't know that things would be closed for this long, but I was like, you know what? I need to sit down. It was my knee. It was like really, really inflamed to a point where I couldn't even straighten it because it was so fat. Um, but yeah, so I was, for me, I was like, I need this break. Um, and also just, just in the grand scheme of things, um, I've been very fortunate to have not very many, um, you know, pauses in between jobs that I've been in. So I was really just absorbing that time to sleep and to just eat yeah. <laughs> and just to relax. For the I, first month, that was it for me. I was just <laughs> sleeping and eating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I loved it, honestly. I, I think I, still to this day, 2021, we're a year on nearly, it's the 14th today. Um, yeah. Still, I'm still loving this pace of lifestyle, even though I, I really enjoy the hustle. I enjoy being busy. I'm really grateful now. It's, it just opens up your perspective, right? That, you know, you kind of take yeah. this downtime. A lot of people, um, they, not that they despise, but they, they look down upon like not being busy, not having something to do. Before I was like that, I was always very busy. I yeah. never stopped working. I never had much holidays at a time. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was just the holiday that I needed for the past yeah. five years. <laughs> I guess you'd say that you've been adapting quite smoothly to this situation, no? Yeah, I think so. Um, there's been so many ebbs and flows, I think, that a lot of people have experienced as well. I live alone, so I was like super jealous and angry at the beginning because I was, you know, I was like, yeah. I'm by myself. Why aren't checking on me all the time why aren't they making more of an effort but um after I kind of really delved into why I was feeling those things and understanding why I was jealous or angry or frustrated upset it was like maybe two weeks worth of that and now I'm just like thank goodness that I do not live with one I cannot even imagine spending all this time with somebody even if it was a partner like no Absolutely not. I, I honestly love my own. It is a long time. Oh, it's a long time. I, I just love, yeah. I love my own company. I love having my own space, being able to do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do, especially now because there's no schedule to like. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think I've been adapting pretty smoothly, but like I said, it, it ebbs and flows. There are times when I feel so overwhelmed with boredom and like no direction in life whatsoever that I get very existential and I'm like what is life like I don't know what to do and then some like thank goodness there is no direction because all I want to do is like lie down you know it's like yeah yeah it's just it's um yeah I don't think it has to follow any linear path it's just just experiencing it for what it is you know yeah do you think there's been a um, um, turning point for your mindsets I think there's as of now, I think I've had like two really big realizations. The first one being that being American, I think it's inbred into us that we have to live through this like capitalistic lifestyle where if you're not making the most money out of every single hour of your day, then your value as a civilian, as a member of society is less than somebody who's not squeezing every last pence out of their day. So I've lived my life with that kind of ethos since I was born, I guess, especially growing up in the 
New York City where yeah. the the standard is to work every single day. Um, and I still think that I, I love to work in between gigs. I used to, not that I used to, but I, I would still, like I would um, dress backstage at West End shows. Like I would work odd jobs, something like that. Like right now, I also deliver on the side um, when I can be bothered to because most of the days I can't. <laughs> um, <laughs> But like, I enjoy the act of working, but I think I enjoy the act of working because I was raised in a society that really values hard workers and that um, the more you push yourself, the, the better of a person you are, the more you're going to get those things in life that you want down the line. I really identify with that in Portugal. Um, I feel like it's like that too. Yeah, um, definitely is, is that mindset rare for that to not be the mindset because uh well you know what at least the people that I am mostly surrounded by we've all grown up in some type of western civilization and I think capitalism and you know that kind of thing yeah. that's kind of a predominant factor in a lot of those countries yeah so I think one of my biggest realizations of this whole thing is that just because we're not making the most out of every single hour of the day and that we're not making money at every waking minute it doesn't devalue our position as a person of society that you don't have to be productive and you don't have to be busy to be important or to have self-worth. So that's one thing that I really realized that, you know, it's enough to exist and to be a kind person, you know, and to just relax and just, you know, enjoy the fact that you are living and that you're not in circumstances that are terrible like in some third world countries like my family's from the Philippines like you know every day there's like strife there I mean there's strife all around the world but you know you just to be happy for whatever circumstances you find yourself in so that's kind of like my big kind of existential as a human realization as this whole thing I think as an artist I for the one of the probably like the first time in my adult life I've had the feeling of wanting to be creative at the beginning of this whole lockdown, I was the antithesis of that. Like, I was like, I don't want to be creative. I'm not inspired by anything right now. And I was like, too right. Because the things that normally inspire me, such as human interaction and going out into the city and seeing things and, um, you know, collaborating with other people. I was like, these sources of inspiration, um, these catalysts of inspiration aren't available to us right now. So, of course, I'm not feeling inspired. Of course, I don't want to, like, do that dance class or teach that thing, blah, blah, blah. And I would say that only in like the very tail end of 2020 slash more so the beginning of this year, I have been overwhelmed with the need to be creative. And I think it's because for me as a person, when I've had to be creative, it's been tied to a job where it's like, I'm being hired to do this role and this role necessitates creativity because I work in the creative industries, right? So. I think it, it's been weird to be like, I really want to be creative and I'm not going to get paid for this. In fact, I spend so much money on my creative endeavors, but for me, it's of no cost because the joy that I get from creating it has no, there's no monetary um, limit. I will literally just tap, 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 like Apple pay this, that left and right. Um, I will like do, I will, whatever, in terms of finances and I'm, you know, fortunate to have those finances available to me um, that I can just do that and enjoy it. And I think I would not indulge in those kinds of projects or indulge in that creativity. If I was still adhering to, I'm working eight shows a week, 
life is normal. I go take the train to go to my job. And then on my free day, I like to, you know, go out to eat or something like that. Like there's just not enough time for, you know, your spirit to like experience that creativity. <laughs> so that's, I think that's another thing that, you know, I really enjoy being creative and that I want to do it. That's like the big overarching thing that I've also realized recently. So your, your creativity, is it coming from a different source now? Because you're saying that you get creative by the, the environment around you, the people, meeting people and everything. Now that this is a whole worldwide situation, and you say that you're more creative now a few months ago, is this creativity coming from another place? Um, I, you know what? On New Year's Eve slash New Year's Day, I was, um, you know, I was celebrating it with a couple, like, you know, my support bub's friends. And one of the women that I was with, she said, we were, I think we were listening to music, right? We were all artists there. <laughs> <laughs> this is so beatnik. Anyway, so and I'm saying this wearing like a roll neck black. Anyway, so we were like listening to music and we were talking and she said, when you listen to music, what do you see yourself doing? And she was like, is it always dance? And I was like, oh yeah, of course. When I listen to music and I really vibe with it, for me, the, the way that I, um, I express that feeling that I get when I listen to great music is through dance. And she was like, that's interesting because when I listen to music, the way that I express is through singing. She was like, I always imagine myself singing that song. And she, I was like, oh, I never imagined that ever. I was like, I always imagined myself dancing to it or thinking of choreography that I would like somebody else to dance and do it for me. Me too. <laughs> exactly, right? So I was really intrigued by that. And I was like, wow. So because I think, you know, especially for dancers, music is so tied to dance, right? And there's so much inspiration drawn from music. But what I will say is that I did a, um, an acting course with Rada recently and the approach, the, the course, the, the, high, the, like the title of it was called text analysis, like taking apart text and analyzing it. So I walked into that course thinking, you know, we're going to learn how to dissect plays, how to see what the character's intentions are, whatever. And we did do that, but we also had like other disciplines where we were um, trying to, we delved through character analyzation through movement. And we also delved through it in writing. And that was the most alien to me because I don't, I, I don't think that I like to write. I don't write for fun. I don't journal for fun. But we were doing these writing exercises and I was finding so many correlations from using writing to catalyze acting or to catalyze creativity and putting that in the realm of choreography. And I used um, some of the exercises that we learned through this writing course to choreograph a project that um, that I've made recently. And I think that in this like pandemic time, I think a lot of people think that creativity is a gut instinct or that it's like, you know, it's intangible. Like you just feel it and it's like there and it's creative. But I've always been a very academic person my whole life. And I think I'm starting to find how intellect and kind of intellectual analysis can also lead to creativity or how they can both coexist. Um, because I think some people think it's like black and white, like the left side of your brain and the right side of your brain, that you know, you're either very intellectual or you're either very creative. And I think they can both intersect. And that's kind of how I've looked at creativity now. So for me, in terms of approaching choreography, I used to find it, well, I still find it very hard to like, just listen to a song and like just 
think of moves to do that come from a gut instinct. Because for me, those gut instincts, maybe on a subconscious level, relate to the subject matter you're trying to express through movement. But for me, there's no real basis as to why those shapes exist. And in Hamilton, one of the biggest takeaways I had from learning the choreography, especially being dance captain on the show and having such a deep knowledge of why the moves exist when they do, why these people are doing it whenever they're doing it, why the staging is the way it is, is because the gestures that Andy and Stephanie um, created and taught to us, they're so deeply rooted in narrative. And I feel like um, when I listen to music, I don't know if you feel the same way, but when I listen to music, the production of the music, the rhythm, the melody, all these sounds that you're hearing, the way that the person sings, their tone of voice, that all speaks to your instinct. That's definitely how I listen to music. I, um, I very rarely actually listen to the lyrics. I listen to the melody of everything. Exactly. And then I go and listen to the lyrics. But I like the song because of the whole thing, how it sounds. Yes. Just, this is literally what yeah. you're saying, right? Is like hitting the nail on the head. It's like you as a person, like as like a spirit, right? You hear that music and you're like, oh my gosh, like yes, I'm feeling this. And it speaks to your instincts. And what I've realized recently is that lyric and the use of word and text and how you even write lyrics on a page. This is what I was kind of learning through the writing course at RADA is that that structure, the words you use, the way you spell them, the punctuation, capitalization, using lowercase the whole time, punctuation, that to me is very intellectual. And you can break that down as if you were kind of analyzing a Shakespeare play. Because a lot, because um, you know, you look at Shakespeare plays and you're like, oh my gosh, he only included 13 syllables there and then seven syllables in the next. And that means that the world is coming to an end. Like, you know, so deep into the analyzation of text. And what I've kind of been playing with recently is how instinctively we react to like the music's production, but on an intellectual level, you can read the lyrics and it has a whole different meaning. It might juxtapose the feeling of the music production. It might um, enhance the feeling of music production. So I think, you know, music in itself has so many kind of worlds coming together. And I think in terms of the creative process, I'm kind of realizing how um, you can be academic. I think that's more of the word I'm trying to use, not intellectual, but I can kind of approach creativity from an academic point of view as opposed to an instinctive point of view, because I think you can only rely on instinct so much because you can only rely on instinct so much. Instinct only takes you so far. It's the same thing like technique, right? The most amazing dancers have absolutely no technique, but I think for the longevity of a dancer, it's good to have technique because when your instinct isn't there, then you rely on your technique. I think my creativity, Right now, I'm exploring how we can be creative in an academic sense, as opposed to an instinctive, you know, freestyle to this and like feel the music and like everything. You were talking about the um, turning points just now. Do you think that you project your future as an artist a different way now you're doing more creative work? Do you think this experience has changed how you project that future? I think so, because... Even the beginning of last year, I think my agent asked me, I was switching agents at the beginning of last year. And he asked me, you know, do you want to go into choreography? And I was like, no, absolutely not. I do not want to do that. And I think the reason why I said that one back then is because at the time I was really afraid or I would be, I would imagine that I would be afraid to share my choreography because I am 
very critical of other people. Like I, you know, I really take things apart and only very few things like resonate with me and I really appreciate them and really celebrate them. And that's not from like, you know, like a picky point of view. It's just that genuinely, authentically, only a couple, only very few rare things. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. So I was like, oh my gosh, here I am critiquing everybody. Can you even imagine if I went to go share my things, how, how much they would be, you know, smacking me sideways, like, you know, ripping my stuff apart, all of that kind of stuff. And I was like, I am never going to put myself on the line like that because I need to protect my ego. Um, and also because I do hold my, uh, especially with dance, right. I, I hold my dance to a very high standard and I've find very few people who can do what I'm wanting them to do and asking them to do. This is how I thought at the beginning of last year. And what I've realized in doing choreography and especially starting to teach open dance classes, something that I wasn't able to do when I was in Hamilton, is that the joy that I experience watching other people doing my things is not because they're doing it exactly how I want them to do. It's because they're using the blueprint of what I'm giving them and they're doing it in such a way that I would never envision because they're doing it in another physical body. They're not doing it in my body. So um, the first choreography project that I ever filmed, which is towards the end of last year with a couple of my friends, I just remember the whole time literally trying to like contain my smile because I was trying to keep things moving along. We were obviously on a time schedule and I was just like, I was so happy seeing other people doing my movements and doing it in their own way. So now I feel like I've been able to kind of, I think it's all for me, it was all from a place of ego. It's like, I don't want to do, I don't want to create because nobody can do it the way that I do it. And also people are going to critique me. And I think, especially in the day and age of social media and being able to share things digitally, you have to be really confident and you have to just be really proud of the work that you share. And so long as you're confident and proud of it, it doesn't matter like what other people think. It's the same thing. I was listening, a YouTuber that I really like called Damon Dominique. Um, he's like a polyglot who lives in Paris. He's from America. He's amazing. I think you should watch him. But he, I think he kind of said the, the same metaphor. He said, you know, like when you have your headphones and your ears and you're listening to the music you like and you go to like the train, you don't care if the other people next to you like your music or not because you like it and that's why you are playing it. And I think in terms of especially sharing your own creative work, you have to just be very, very proud and very sure of what you're sharing and what you're making because why, why would you make something to please somebody else? Do you know what I mean? I think that gets further and further away from the whole reason of wanting to be creative. And especially in these times where you have the, you just have the space and the schedule to be creative because nothing else is going on. Like it, it's, it's a great time, I think, to explore that because in the, re in the reality of things, say if I wanted to become a professional choreographer down the line, there's going to be very few instances where I can just choreograph whatever I want to do most likely it will, I will be working for a production company that says, I want something like this. And then I'll present something that either go, yes, no, more of this, less of that. And I have to kind of, I'm filling, I'm doing a gig, I'm filling a brief for a certain vision, right? Whereas right now, when there's nothing, when there's nothing else to do and you, you're afforded all of this time, it's like, I just wanna do literally exactly what I wanna do. And I wanna see other people bringing it to life in their own way. In the future, I think like all other artists, I have this like dread, I'm 27 now. And I'm like, what am I gonna be doing when I'm 45? Do you know what I mean? I'm just like, I can't, not that I can't, but I don't know if I would be happy if I was still 
dancing in a show in the West End eight times a week. Maybe it would be different if I was more an actor by trade, which is something that I'm kind of delving into now. Like I've done a bit of commercial work and TV and film work, which has been really fun. As an actor, literally nothing to do with dance. And that's fine, I think, thinking that maybe at the age of 45, I would be playing such a role on TV or doing a commercial or something like that. But in terms of like being a dancer and being, you know, a, a body that is helping to realize somebody's vision, I was just like, oh my gosh, like, I don't think I should be doing that when I'm older. So, you know, I've been asking myself, how am I going to keep paying my mortgage? How am I still going to be in the creative industry when I'm older? And for me, I think the answer is to do a bit more of the creative side of things, whether it be being a movement director or a choreographer or a director or I don't know something like that but I think for me that that job title is a little bit more palatable than thinking that I'm going to be doing eight shows a week as a performer in the West End when I'm older I don't think it's unattainable there are amazing performers especially on Broadway where the age of the ensemble is already higher um there was I saw an amazing woman who was the cover for the role of Nini in Moulin Rouge and she's in the ensemble and she's 40 if not older and she is probably in better shape than I have ever been in, in my whole life there's another guy named Tommy Franklin who lives here in the UK he's 40 and still like I will never be in as good shape as him honestly he's got like a 12 pack like it's crazy it, you know it's it's possible and I think if you derive joy from doing that kind of thing when you're at that age great but I also you know realistically I look at myself I'm like, I'm like, I'm just five feet tall. I'm not really somebody that I think is like ambiguous enough or general enough to kind of fill these roles that always exist in terms of like being in the ensemble or stuff like that. You know, like I know that I'm very niche with my casting and right now maybe my mind frame will change in the future, but I think being small and being youthful is what makes me hireable. <laughs> Being small and wrinkly is not, is not my casting as of yet, unless I'm going to be paying somebody's like grandma, like down the line, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, but I think in the future, I'm now starting to toy with the idea that I could be a director or a choreographer, but it's just, it's only very recently that I've even allowed myself to think that because in the past, like I said before, it's like my ego's gone in the way and I, I would be afraid for people to critique me or like, I'm like, oh my gosh, they can't do it. But now, now I'm like definitely expanding my mind, changing the way I'm thinking a little bit. I don't really plan my future, but I know I want to be in the creative industries. My issue is that I want to do so many things, so many different things. I don't want to plan when are they going to come. Some of them, like you said, are going to be more when I'm younger and some of them are like later in my life, but I definitely... Do you want to share two valuable things that you learned during this period? Let's see, two valuable things I learned during this period. That we need to live our life every single moment to not waste time, even though I talk about, you know, being very lazy and sometimes I just want to sit down. But if you're going to do that, enjoy. You're gaining, you're gaining yeah. sleep there, you know? <laughs> Honestly, I have, I think I'm making up for the sleep that I've lacked for the past decade of my life in this past year. Because normally I rarely sleep, I'm always waking up, like trying to snooze my alarm because I'm so tired. Yeah, me too. You know, and now I'm so happy to wake up when the sun is coming through my window and it's like, oh, 
I'm awake now. <laughs> it's so nice. With the birds and everything. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, this is so lovely. But I think, uh, <laughs> I think the, the biggest thing, and, you know, I did think like this kind of before coronavirus, but even more so now that we've gone through this whole year, probably even for longer. But um, it's just to, you know, enjoy life. And I hope that these people, because we're very lucky to be artists, right? I think we experience so much more excitement than a lot of people who live on this earth do, even like at the age of 20 in comparison to somebody who's like 50, you know, because I, I, I would just hate to be living my life with the goalposts that society has told us to live our life by, go to school, get a job, find a partner, marriage. I don't imagine myself doing no. any type of just normal routes to life. Yeah, like get a house, get a dog, have a kid, send your kid to school, have your kid graduate from college. Like those, if you derive joy from those things, absolutely valid. And I know so many of my friends have done those things and I've never seen them happier. But for me personally, I think, I, I think sometimes people follow those goalposts because that's what we're bred or that's what we're learned to believe is the right path in life. And I think the reason why, you know, sometimes people look at artists and they're like, you're crazy, you know, whatever, like, you know, you're in your late thirties, you don't want to settle down. You know what I mean? Like, but I think that risk and that excitement, that's what makes me so excited for, for the unknown. Do you know what I mean? Because even, even the morning I'm thinking like, you know, cause I'm single and I love being single. Um, I was in a like six year relationship before I was like now single. And I was just like, Oh my God, I wasted my whole, the whole uh, beginning of my twenties being in a relationship. Think of the things that I could have been doing. Anyway, that's a whole nother podcast, but basically <laughs> I was, you know, I was thinking, I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm nearly 30. I was like, so, you know, people I know they're in their mid thirties and they're like married and have a kid and you know, they know, they know what they're going to be doing. And I was like, Oh my God, like, what, what am I doing? Do you know what I mean? There's, I'm not going to lie. There's of course times when I think that, but you know, when I really think of it, it's like, you know what, we live such exciting lives in the, in the respect that we don't know really what's going to be happening to us next month. But I think the fact that we open ourselves to the possibilities and, you know, we train and go and meet other people and, you know, make these connections all to kind of pave the path for these exciting opportunities to come our way. And I think that's so exciting. And I think even in this very brief time on, I've been on this earth, I've had so many life experiences that I wouldn't have experienced if I was playing it safe and doing exactly. Yeah, I think taking risks is so interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know? <laughs> like one of the biggest risks, I don't, I don't even call it a risk because for me, when I was 18, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Like one of the biggest risks, I moved to London with no friends, no family, no smartphone. I was literally just, you know, on the tube, just like on my own, just doing whatever, lost, <laughs> no GPS in sight. I was just like, looking around the streets, like, I think I live over there, just go see. But like, one of the biggest risks I took in my life to move to London, of course, I was just thinking that I was just going to be doing this for a job, has now turned into this whole life I've created here in the UK. And I'm, you know, I'm happy to be yeah. able to work and live both in the UK and in the US. Yeah. Like, you know, that's something that I never thought would happen to me when I was a teenager thinking about how I would be living my life as an adult. So yeah, I think, um, I think the biggest takeaway is like, you know, just to 
appreciate every single moment you have on this earth. You don't have to, again, I'm, I've like, you know, now open my mind to not being a capitalist every single minute of the day. But it's like, even if you are taking the whole day to relax and you're not going to work out or like write an email, enjoy the fact that you have that free time and just embrace, embrace every moment and to never wish away time. I hate, I, I hate hearing people that are like, oh, I just wish today was over so that I could just do something tomorrow. I was like, I just can't wait for the weekend. It's like, no, there's, there's still things to be done today. It's not like checklist things to be done, but there's still things to appreciate and things to love about today and about this minute right now. Um, and just to not wish away your time because you could die from coronavirus the next day. So I think that's, yeah, I think that for me, that's wow. take away <laughs> this whole time. Thank you so much. You, you've shared such great stories. It was very good to have you. It was great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Nice to speak to you. Join me next time to listen to more inspiring conversations. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and follow this journey on Instagram and Facebook. I'm Mariana Sardo. Thank you for listening.